Well, Gypsy attended a Salvation Army service with one of his uncles. And this service had in attendance General of the Salvation Army and its founder, William Booth. Now, William Booth spotted them and remembered them from before when he encouraged the uh, brothers to hold meetings. And he also remembers someone had written him a letter about young Rodney, young Gypsy. So, without saying a word to Rodney, William Booth suddenly announced Gypsy as the next speaker. Now, there are no words in the English language to describe the horror that flooded Gypsy. He, he said this just, he was utterly horrified, and he was scared to death. But he starts walking up to the platform, and William Booth said later that he could see Gypsy shaking as he walked to the platform. And out of compassion and the kindness of his heart, William suggested the Gypsy start off with a song. So that's that's something Gypsy can do. It seemed like always at a drop of a hat he could sing. So Gypsy did just that. He sang a, a hymn a Christian song. And when he finished, Gypsy said he nervously coughed and paused for a second. And then one of the Salvation Army officers hollered up to him on the platform, Keep your heart up, youngster! And without even thinking, Gypsy replied, My heart's in my mouth. Where do you want it? And apparently that just won the audience over. They loved his sense of humor, his, I guess we would call that now self-deprecating humor. And they laughed, and they laughed hard enough that it gave Gypsy a chance to get his thoughts collected. Well, as he was getting his thoughts collected, he decided he would just speak from his heart, and that's what he did. Gypsy spoke from his heart for just a few minutes and then sat down. And William Booth, who had noticed the young man shaking as he came up to the platform, stayed by Gypsy's side until the meeting was over. And apparently he was quite impressed with uh, young Gypsy. And he asked Gypsy to join the Christian mission. At that time, that's the name the Salvation Army had. He said, would you join the Christian mission as one of our evangelists? Gypsy said he would. And so he said the next day he took all the money that he had saved up. uh, And he had saved this up specifically for his preacher's attire. And Gypsy said he bought the starchiest, best-looking pinstripe trousers and suit coat that he could afford. So that he would look like a proper young minister. And then he headed to William Booth's home and began his first adventure. And it began with dinner time. Now, um, he was not used to how um, the English ate, okay? He was gypsy. He was not necessarily accustomed to their food. He got through it. They provided him with an apartment that he could stay in. And gypsy said to him, Being a gypsy and used to sleeping out under the stars or in a tent or in one of their beautiful caravan wagons, it felt like a jail cell to him. He just felt like a misfit from the very beginning. And then he had to sleep in a bed. And gypsy had never slept in a bed before in his life. And he was worried that it wasn't strong enough to hold him up. And 
Then he felt like it might be too short for him. And he got on the bed and he covered up and he said he felt like he was just smothering there in that bed in that room. And he was reluctant to use the wash bowl and the towel because he was afraid of getting them dirty. And he was also the first one awake. And he said that he felt so awkward. He was used to getting up at practically at dawn when the sun first came up. And apparently that wasn't the habit in the Booth household, not quite that early. And he didn't know what to do. And so he just stayed in his room and he prayed. Now, this had to be a very stressful time uh, for young Gypsy, uh, trying to fit in, trying to fit in with an English household. And he said he just never did fit in. No doubt it was kind of like trying to fit a square peg in a, in a round hole. You can, if the size is right, you can do it, but it's not a good fit. And that's what Gypsy eventually discovers, that the Salvation Army is not a good fit for a gypsy like himself. However, he has a lot of good things yet to experience in the Salvation Army. Now, before too long, uh, he had learned to read. I believe it was with the help of Mrs. Catherine Booth, William Booth's wife, and he was sent off to another city to work. And among his converts was a beautiful young lady named Miss Pinnock had beautiful dark hair and big eyes, and she was just such a pretty girl. And, I should say young lady, he eventually married her. As soon as Mr. Cadman knew that I was sweethearting, and I'm quoting uh, Gypsy, he communicated with Mr. Booth, and I was removed from the town. Now, let me take a minute and explain what's going on here. It's not that they had anything against their officer's sweethearting so to speak but in the Salvation Army if you were interested in marrying someone they would split the two of you apart for a certain amount of time they would set, put you in different cities and different regions and the purpose of that was to make sure that you were really in love with each other and all of them had to follow this this rule all of the officers did and with Gypsy being a young officer he too had to follow the rule now, the Mr. Cadman he is referring to is one of the Salvation Army's early officers, fiery Elijah Cadman. And he was a very um, dedicated man of God and also very much into following the rules. So, that's why Gypsy was removed from the town. If he truly loved young Miss Pinnock and she truly loved him, and it was in the Lord's will for them to be united in marriage, then their relationship could survive uh, a temporary time of being apart. So Gypsy gets sent to another location, and there he experiences his first riot that was led by an Irish Catholic mob. Now, riots were not at all uncommon in the Salvation Army in their early work. Um, they were able to make such an impact in the areas where they preached and where they held meetings that it would often anger those that were involved in things like, uh, led in things like gambling, um, pub owners that saw a drop in revenue from drinking, and things like that. And so there was a lot of times hostility, great hostility directed towards the Salvation Army officers and uh, cadets. And so this was the first riot 
the first mob that Gypsy encountered. Needless to say, it did not scare Gypsy off from carrying the gospel message. Now, Gypsy did uh, very well in the Salvation Army. Uh, he had a powerful impact. However, as is the case many times with gifted uh, ministers, he fell victim to church politics. So here's what happened. Uh, the parties involved were, of course, Gypsy and Ballington Booth, who was one of the sons of General William Booth. Uh, Ballington, he was involved with quite a bit of discord that happened in the Salvation Army. Uh, just to give you a general overview of the 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 problem person involved in this. Uh, Ballantin was eventually sent to the United States to lead the Salvation Army in the United States. I believe it was every eight years um, people would be rotated to another location. This was just accepted practice in the Salvation Army based on the uh, practice of uh, John Wesley and the early Methodists. Ballington did not want to leave his uh, people in America and he rebelled and started the Volunteers of America. Okay, so Ballington was uh, difficult to get along with based on my research. So here's what happened between Ballington and Gypsy. Gypsy is doing really well. People like him. He's got a charismatic personality. He's got a beautiful singing voice. He's anointed of God. He's very gifted. And some friends of his invited him to come and hold some meetings for six weeks. And Ballington did not like this. This was not um, following Salvation Army rules. And so I think Ballington tried to have Gypsy removed from his officership. Well, William Booth did not approve of what Ballington was doing. He didn't approve of Ballington's attack on Gypsy, and he said Gypsy's actions were simply youthful indiscretion and basically told Ballington to lay off Gypsy. However, Gypsy, still being a young convert and being a young preacher, was affected by this. Well, Gypsy uh, was sent to Chatham. Chatham, and I'm probably mispronouncing this, and anyone British that is listening or anyone with family in Chatham will please forgive me for my mispronunciation. But that was a place where they had a Salvation Army Corps, which is what the Salvation Army would refer to as a, a church, a corps. And Gypsy called them the Chatham Fossils. They did not want him. They liked the man that had been in charge of the Corps previously. They did not want this young gypsy upstart taking over, basically, their church. And Gypsy entered the situation knowing how they felt about him. And so when he got up to introduce himself, he said who he was, and he said, Now, I know that a lot of you look at me and say, well, my goodness, he's so young, he's only got peach fuzz on his face. And Gypsy said, I agree with you, I'm young. But if you let me stay here a while, I'll get older. Well, eventually his uh, charm won them over. And they were more cooperative with them. And 
During his time there, the membership grew, and listen to this, from 35 to 250. Now, isn't that something? And it was also during this time that Gypsy was able to marry his sweetheart, Annie, young, young miss, I believe her name was Pinnock. So he got married during that time, and he thought that would also help him seem more mature to the congregation. But you just got to love his approach to things, saying that if you let me stay here a while, I'll grow older. That's just, to me, that's just classic. That is classic. Well, um, General Booth asked Gypsy where he wanted to go to next. And Gypsy replied, the place nearest the pit. And he, he said he decided later that General Booth took him a bit too seriously. He was sent to Hanley. And Gypsy said when he got there, he saw the smoke and he smelled the sulfur and decided he might have been sent to the actual place. Uh, Hanley was a mining town. I believe it was uh, primarily mining but Gypsy jumps right in, and he goes hard to uh, goes to work very hard for the people in Hanley, winning as many souls as he possibly can, preaching and singing. And Gypsy does eventually leave the Salvation Army. Um, and it was over the gift of a gold watch. Now, Salvation Army rules have it that an officer is not allowed to accept a gift from the people. Now, Gypsy was given the gift of a gold watch. This was not from the people in his congregation. This was not from members of the Salvation Army, but rather local residents of Hanley who appreciated the work that he had done in their community. Well, when they, were, when they found out at headquarters that Gypsy had accepted the gift of a gold watch, General Booth's other son, Bramwell, kicked Gypsy out. And he didn't just kick Gypsy out of the Salvation Army. He kicked out Gypsy's sister, Tilly, out of the Salvation Army. Now, Gypsy's congregation there in Hanley, they stood with him. They felt like this was unfair for the Salvation Army to do this. They felt like this was not, not right. And one of the authors that I read that wrote about this situation with Gypsy said that he felt like the Bramwell Booth and those under his influence at Salvation Army headquarters didn't realize how very, very poor Gypsy was growing up and what a wondrous gift this gold watch was for him. And if they had taken that into account, and had followed the rules which said that they couldn't get a gift from Salvation Army members, but it didn't say anything about the community, you know, it could have been handled better. But for Gypsy, this was just kind of the last straw. He had tried to fit in with the Salvation Army, and he had truly accomplished a lot, and he had learned a lot, but he felt like this was kind of a sign that it was time for him to move on. This also happens to be during the time that his wife gave birth to their second child. So Gypsy struck out on his own. 
And, you know, Gypsy had done very well in the Salvation Army, and then he was able to do very well on his own uh, with his evangelistic work. Uh, he began to hold services all over England. Then he ended up here in the United States. And there's uh, a picture that shows one of his meetings in New York City. And there has to be a crowd of over a thousand that have gathered to hear Gypsy sing and Gypsy preach. And his message was always very simple. He preached the gospel. He preached to the lost that they would come to Jesus. He never wrote out his sermons beforehand. But he prayed, and then when he would get ready to preach, he would study the crowd for a while. As he was usually while he was on the platform, he would study the crowd, and the Lord would begin to give him that message, and he would block out in his mind, in his thoughts in general, what he felt like the Lord was leading him to say and present. And singing was always a part of what Gypsy did. He often broke out into song during his sermons. If he a song came to him that fit with what he was preaching about. And he would end up working as an evangelist for 70 years. 70 years of ministry. He would evangelize the world over. This young Gypsy boy, whose mother's Deathbed salvation as she lied dying of smallpox led to his ministry. And he was uh, popular, again, all over the world. And he recorded albums of gospel songs, uh, popular gospel songs of the day, for Columbia Records. Imagine that for Columbia Records. He wrote several books, including his own autobiography. And this, this from a young man who didn't learn how to read and write until he was in his teens, had absolutely no education in the formal sense. And yet so gifted from the Lord, so empowered from the Lord that he was able to do this. And that is a reminder of the saying that those who God calls, he will equip. That is so true in the case of uh, Gypsy. He so illustrates that. It's said that Gypsy never held a single meeting without conversions taking place. And that's what it's all about, guys. It's about reaching the lost. It's about seeing people saved and born again. Seeing people getting right with God. Seeing Christians drawing closer to the Lord. And although, strictly speaking, Gypsy was a Methodist, he attracted crowds from numerous denominations. Now, another cool thing about Gypsy is in spite of all this, in spite of the fame, in spite of the success, in spite of doing recordings for Columbia Records and writing books, Fame and acclaim never caused Gypsy to forget his people, the Gypsy people. Wherever Gypsy went, he would always seek out the Gypsy encampments and spend time with the Gypsy people. There's a picture that shows Gypsy probably about between 45 and 60 years old. It's kind of hard to tell. And he's sitting in front of a Gypsy, it looks like a Gypsy wagon, and he's got various ages around him, and he's holding a puppy dog. And if you know me, you know I pay close attention to pictures of Christian leaders 
and their interactions with animals, and I am pleased to say that puppy dog seems quite comfortable in Gypsy's hand. But the point is, he never forgot that he was a gypsy. He never forgot his gypsy roots, and he never completely got accustomed to trying to fit in with uh, Europeans and with Americans. Of course, when he was staying in their homes while he was doing his preaching uh, and his evangelistic campaigns, he had to adapt somewhat. But his heart would always be with his people, with the gypsy people. In every country that Gypsy went to, he would seek out his own people and carry the gospel to them. And this led to an outreach that was called the Gypsy Gospel Wagon. Now, uh, one of Gypsy's sons also became a preacher, which meant that there were three generations of preachers in the Smith family. There was Gypsy Smith, of course, and his dad, Cornelius, and one of his sons. He also had a daughter. And he just adored his wife. Uh, And they were married until one of them died, basically. But his daughter also helped him out with his ministry. Uh, Her name was Zilla, and he had a son named Hanley and one named Albany. Now, if you do a search for pictures of Gypsy on the Internet, one one of them that you will encounter is Gypsy in uniform during World War I. So during World War I, Gypsy worked under the auspices of the YMCA, reaching out to troops serving in France. And he often visited very dangerous front lines so that he could try to reach these young men before they were killed. So he went to areas that he knew were the most dangerous because he knew it was the most dangerous for those young men's souls. And it reminds me of when General Booth asked him where he wanted to go, and Gypsy said, as close to the pit as I can get. That attitude carried through the rest of Gypsy's life. And because of this, because of the chances and the risks that Gypsy took trying to bring the gospel one last time to these young men as they stood toe-to-toe with death, because of his courage in this, King George VI made him a member of the Order of the British Empire for his brave service during World War I. Now, when I deal with the lives of the different missionaries and Christian leaders, I try to strike a balance. If there's something that happened that was questionable or scandalous, I try to do my due diligence and discuss that, and I don't try to, I don't try to hide things. Well, Gypsy encountered only one scandal in his ministry. Now, I mentioned that he and his wife were together until one of them passed. It was his wife who passed first. And at that time, Gypsy was in his late 70s. And he remarried the year after his wife passed. Now, the scandal involved in this is the fact that the woman he married was just 26. Okay, one of his sons conducted the ceremony. It seems like his family was okay with it. But people decided to latch on to this as a reason to criticize Gypsy because he was marrying a woman that he was probably old enough to be her grandfather. Now, it says a great deal about Gypsy's reputation when that is the worst scandal they could accuse Gypsy of. 
The worst thing they could accuse him of was marrying a much younger woman. No affairs, nothing like that. They didn't like it because he married a younger woman. So in my opinion, that tells you a lot about Gypsy's character. That tells you that his life was free from scandal, that he followed the Bible's guidance in avoiding the very appearance of evil, which many of our Christian leaders today and ourselves could follow more closely. Now, I will say this. The young woman that Gypsy married, her name was Miss Mary Alice Shaw, remained with him until he passed away of a heart attack, and she nursed him. And so that says a lot for her, too. Now, Gypsy grew older through the years, as we all do. You know, uh, a son there at Chatham with the Chatham Fossils, he told him, if you let me stay here a while, I'll grow older. Well, he stayed on earth a while, and he grew older, and with that came health problems. And Gypsy uh, suffered a heart attack. He was on the Queen Mary. Uh, when he suffered a heart attack, he was at age 87. And get this, guys. It was his 45th time to cross the Atlantic. 45 times this man crossed the Atlantic carrying the gospel wherever he could. Well, it was 1947 when uh, Gypsy suffered that fatal heart attack, and his ashes are reportedly buried beneath a stone memorial erected in his birthplace at Epping Forest, England, and the memorial was erected in 1949. And it says, Gypsy Rodney Smith, MBE, who preached the gospel of Christ to thousands on five continents for 70 years was born here on 31 March 1860 and called home journeying to America on 4 August 1947. What hath God wrought? And let Gypsy left behind such a tremendous spiritual legacy. The beautiful story of how his family came to God. How the Lord called him to preach and equipped him and gave him so many gifts. And there are so many ways he could have used those gifts for personal gain. But Gypsy used them all for the Lord. And he stayed humble. And he never forgot his roots. He never forgot his people. And he preached from one end of this world to the other, telling people about Jesus. And I'm reminded of what he said his early sermons were about, that he loved Jesus, and Jesus had saved him, and he wanted other people to love Jesus too. And what a beautiful message. And how many thousands upon thousands of people's lives have been touched either directly or indirectly through the ministry in the life of sacrifice of Gypsy Smith. And so I hope that you have enjoyed the story of Rodney Gypsy Smith. There is an autobiography out there of him, and there's a lot of references to him in Salvation Army history because of the impact he had. And I just hope that this is spoken to you in some way or another. And I would like to leave you with the thought that if God is calling you to do something or has put a burden on your heart to do something, know that he will both open the doors 
and provide you with what you need in order to do it. And like I said, hope you enjoyed this. Thank you for listening. As I was wrapping this up, I was closing out my notes, my slides, and I realized I had one quote from Gypsy that I want to share. And this is a direct quote. Go home. Lock yourself in your room. Kneel down in the middle of the floor. And with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle.